Welcome to The Midpoint, conversations with the extraordinary people building the American innovation economy from the inside out. I'm Patrick McKenna, founder of One America Works. Welcome to The Midpoint. I'm Patrick McKenna, founder of One America Works and partner at Comeback Capital. Today, I'm joined by Steve Case. To this audience, really no, uh, no introduction needed. CEO of AOL in the past, Rise of the Rest fame, Revolution, big advocate for investing in the heartland. And more than that, really an example of somebody you know coming from Hawaii, not exactly Silicon Valley, and starting a business that really defined the industry and then setting up shop in, in Virginia and then you know turning your experience and your network to having, helping other people rise. You recently wrote the book, Rise of the Rest. I read it. And I just want to say like, I thought I knew a lot of stories about people and places, and you captured so many awesome stories. So just really congratulations on the book. Well, thank you. That's why I wrote it. I just, I just realized I've had the opportunity the last decade to travel a lot of cities, meet a lot of entrepreneurs, and I go back and talk to people about it, and they're, oh, I had no idea that was happening there. I had no idea this company was starting, or no idea this entrepreneur existed. And so I said, well, I, I, I got to document this. I got to make sure people everywhere understand what's happening all across the country. And not coincidentally, maybe it is coincident, not sure, but we're in Cleveland yeah. and the book starts with you in Cleveland. And so it's been a while since you started kind of the Rise of the Rest adventure. Can you talk a little bit returning to Cleveland, like what has happened in the last eight plus years? No, so it's a great example of a rising city where a decade ago, most people around the country, and frankly, most people even in Cleveland didn't really think there was going to be much in terms of startups, innovation, entrepreneurship, job creation, investment, et cetera, which is why a lot of people grew up here, went to school here, left to go to other places, kind of a, a brain drain. But you've seen steady progress over the last you know, decade. Uh, we've seen that even some of the research we did with, you know, with PitchBook uh, said that in the last decade, 1,400 new venture firms have started and rise the rest. Of it. So I, even I was surprised by that yeah. number. It's like, oh, that's great. Uh, so how do we make sure those, even if some of them are kind of small, they have success and get to be larger and that I think can have a really transformative impact. So that's been helpful. The pandemic in an odd way has been helpful. It sort of created this unlock in terms of where you live and how you, how you work. And uh, it led to some people to move to other places, some people to boomerang back to places they're yeah. from, some investors, as you know, in places like Silicon Valley, suddenly paying attention to what's happening in Ohio or other kinds of places, because if it's a Zoom pitch meeting, it doesn't really matter as much where they're, uh, they're based. It's also, we've seen some uh, public policy around uh, some big issues like decarbonization, supply chains, semiconductors, regional hubs, and also is creating an acceleration. So, you know, compared to where we were a decade ago, or kind of felt like the early days of the internet when we first got started with AOL, and only 3% of people were online. Most people were like, is the internet ever going to really be like a real thing or is this going to be a hobbyist thing? Uh, in the early days of Rise of the Rest, I kind of saw similar skepticism in people's eyes. But now people are more intrigued where they're starting to see more uh, successes. I think it'll just accelerate over the next decade. So I've been seeing it personally. And, and even what we kind of talk about with the One America Works Network is that you know I've been an entrepreneur multiple times. My most recent time, I started 15 years in Silicon Valley. But my most recent company was started in Baltimore. We did it in 2016. And everybody was like, you're crazy. Why are you starting a company in Baltimore? I'm like, well, Hopkins is there. Uh, T. Rowe Price, Lake Mason. There's amazing. We're doing a fintech company. So like, you know, the fintech talent that we're going to need to scale this business is there. And then I'm like, you know, Stella Corridor, you can be in New York where the money is in two hours and a half an hour in D.C. This is like 2016. Everybody thought, again, 
This is crazy. You have to go ahead. But then you say the pandemic has a silver lining. We had an office in Baltimore. We always wanted to be hybrid. Pandemic happens. We went full virtual. And so now we have 250 people in the company. The company's called Facet. It's yeah. financial planning. Just completely with 39 states, we have people in it. And now everybody says, wow, of course you started a company in Baltimore. Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, of course you had Zoom built in your original product, right? So it's kind of become like this default. Of course, you're going to have some hybrid or sure remote work. You're seeing this across your portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. There's some that are fully remote. There's some that actually are fully back in the office. They just prefer working that way. But most are some version of hybrid. And that just creates more flexibility for people and how they work, as I said, but also more flexibility in terms of companies, how they start and how they scale, which I think will advantage these rise of the rest cities. So you mentioned earlier that we're at a critical moment. Like we're hitting some critical mass, like some things come together. Can you talk about that? I'm feeling it as well, yeah. but, but you're deep into it. So could you talk a little, unpack that comment? We talked about some of it, but you have to break it into pieces. Right? What's happening in these rising cities is we've seen steady growth and in interest and investment and, and so forth over the last decade. But the tipping point was accelerant, no question. There's growing recognition that the innovation, uh, the puck is shifting in a different direction. And, and you know, sectors like healthcare and food and agriculture and others are kind of up for grabs. And partnerships matter to be successful in those because it requires systems level kind of change. And a lot of big partners in healthcare will take, take here in Cleveland, the Cleveland Clinic and university hospitals, you know, super you know, incredible partners. And suddenly there's an advantage, like you said, with Baltimore and Johns Hopkins to be in one of those. You know, and their cities. culture's changed a little bit too, right? So They're being big, more the, willing. The bigger to- companies and the larger organizations are recognizing they need to be more agile. They need to be thinking more entrepreneurial, they need to be working with some of the startups so they can understand what's happening and be part of that that change, not be caught by a surprise. So that's been a, a positive factor. And also, you know, everybody criticizes Congress, but they did pass some legislation, mostly in a bipartisan way, uh, last uh, last year, including the Chips and Science Act, that did some things around reshoring semiconductors, but also is, is basically allocated $10 billion for regional hubs. And so there's also a a recognition from a public policy standpoint that the innovation economy is shifting and America needs to, to shift with it and to make sure we lead the way again as the most innovative nation in the world, but also we do it in a more inclusive way. More people in more parts of the country can be part of that as opposed to feeling kind of left out and left behind. Okay, showing adding geography to the inclusivity. Yeah, exactly. Right? One of the things that I think is on this list, uh, a, a muscle or a, a a, a superpower or some capability that didn't exist before the pandemic that I think has shifted everything is remote due diligence. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it used to be that Silicon, like a big investor, oh, I only invest within a drive for a right. board meeting. And there was all these biases against companies that weren't in that location. Right. And then for two years, big money investors didn't need any of their investments, whether they were in right. San Mateo or in Cleveland. Right. So that's a capability that didn't exist before. Do you see that as one of the things that's just not going to change? And now, now money can actually diligence operations. And I think I think it'll be a mix. I think for sure more investors started looking at other places. Some because the economy's tightened and venture, you know, the venture world has kind of gotten a little more cautious and risk averse. Some that were doing experiments other places may pull back and just go back to focusing in their geography. But I think the majority realize they're great entrepreneurs building great companies everywhere. And they'll continue. And once they make it an investment in a city, whether yeah. it be Cleveland or Detroit or Atlanta or what have you, they then, not surprisingly, learn about other companies. And one becomes two, which becomes five. And suddenly they have a little bit of a regional cluster. I, really I, 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 I think that dynamic will, will continue to accelerate. So I'm, I'm pretty bullish about what's likely going to happen over the next de- decade or so. 
in this moment, it feels, in your view, it's, it's quite broad. It's not just the Austin, the Salt Lake, right. and Denver or something like that. Yeah, no, it's dozens of cities. We've now done our bus tour in, in nearly 50 cities. We've made investments with our Rise to Rest Fund in over 100 cities. I think it's 38, 39 states, something like that. So this is a broad-based you know, phenomenon. And, and part of what's going to be interesting, even to me, is 10 or 20 years from now, what are the cities that are really capitalized on this moment and really are kind of the, the next big uh, startup hubs? I have a, a theory on what some of them might be, but I think I'll be surprised because some of the ones that have momentum now might lose it. And some that are just gaining momentum now could, could really accelerate. And that's why I just, you know, kind of with audiences like we have here in Cleveland, just urge people to think about it as a moment that something, something has been bubbling. A bunch of forces are now converging. Uh, if it's something you've been watching uh, over the last 10 or 20 years, now's the time to really recognize there's something much more fundamental going on. Without calling a short, who would you say the city that is like the non-obvious long? So there are some obvious ones. So like, like I said, Salt Lake, Austin, so like that. What's one or two that might not well, be on the I always right? duck that question. It's kind of like asking who your favorite okay. child is. Or, try, or now right? my favorite grandchild because I have a few grandchildren. No, we, we really try to celebrate all these cities. And I really I don't believe it's one or two. I really do believe it's going to be dozens that, that really rise up and surprise the world. So the other thing I loved about the book was you mixed in like a lot of technical stuff right. along with the stories. Like the three C's, right. capital, community, and communication, celebration, yeah. right? And the seven-spoke network. I, I like to think in terms of frameworks. We talk a lot about like the trust network and like Silicon Valley being a trust network where like if you worked at Google or you were funded by Sequoia or you went to Stanford, you're kind of qualified in. And then looking at like that ecosystem thing, if the capital and entrepreneur and the university, these are like a trust network where people kind of lower friction. Is this one of the reasons why more people are getting access to this? Is that you can like Salesforce can acquire exact target in Indianapolis extend the trust network into Indianapolis. Now there's 5,000 people right. who work for a Silicon Valley company. Like, is this part of the... Yeah, it's part of it. It's part of it. And we have made progress, but I'd say that's an area where we need to make more progress. That, that trust network, that network density in Silicon Valley, that sense of possibility in, in, in Silicon Valley is, does not exist in most parts of the country. And so how do the universities in these different cities partner with the big companies in those cities, with medical research operations, hospitals, others in, in those cities, and, and collectively do things that neither can, uh, nobody can do on their own and, and start building up more of that network density in, in more places? Hopefully, the people will recognize this really as a moment uh, and, and seize it. And definitely the uh, who's my favorite child question. But I think there is an important question I'd love to get on the table of like... Like what can go wrong? Like where where's like a place where like if we don't capitalize the success, you're talking about venture capital. I worry about this too. Everything is risen, but when things start to pull back, does it kind of pull back in disproportion to Silicon Valley or does it pull back in proportion or does it proportion disproportionately stay out in kind of new places? Is there something on your radar that you're kind of watching to say, hey, let's just take a look at this so we can capitalize on our gains? Well, I think capitalizing gains going back to the exact target mention you, uh, you had with Indianapolis is in, in many of these cities, we're starting to see some companies emerge as sort of significant tentpole companies. How do we make sure we fully capitalize on it? I think it's hard to get those going when you do have one. How do you, you know, build some momentum around it? So it leads to dozens of other companies and lots of other venture capital being being created as part of that. So that's one area where I think there's some risk. And then also making sure as, as given this talent equation is in flux, some people during the pandemic did move some other place. Are they going to stay there? Are they going to move back to some other uh, city? Are more people going to move there? 
just trying to make sure you have an environment that is welcoming to people, connects people who do move to a city or move back to a city so they feel part of that that community, including part of that startup community, I think is a big opportunity. And then with the investors, going back to what we said before, if they have made an investment in a city like Cleveland or some other, other city, how do you make sure they see other potentially interesting deals so they double down on that city as opposed to say, well, it's kind of was an anomaly, just did that one investment in that one city, you know, I'm going to pull back and just invest in my own backyard. So in kind of conclusion here, it's like success begets success. Yes. And so I want to just wish you the most luck on the success of your book. Thank you. Uh, because I think it really does define so many people have been working. I would say it's like it's the, the uh, it's the 10 year overnight success. So people are looking at the IPOs happening and, and you know, you have a like there were some in Atlanta that surprised me like. I didn't know like Mailchimp was in Atlanta. Yeah, Mailchimp was like yeah. sold for a lot of dollars. There's like some really big successes right. that took 10, 12 years to develop. And I would say, let's celebrate uh, the book. Thank and you. many people are going to get convinced. And then in uh, hopefully it's not uh, eight years more before we're back in Cleveland. I, success and more and success. I really don't even think of it as my book. I think of it as kind of our book. I'm trying to tell the story of the work you're doing and so many other people are doing all around the country and celebrate that work and celebrate those entrepreneurs and celebrate those cities and, and, and try to be a, a, a champion, a cheerleader, so all these cities can rise up. Well, thanks so much for all your work and sharing your views with the audience. Thank thanks you so Patrick. much. Good we to see appreciate you. It. To learn more about One America Works, visit our website at oneamericaworks.org.